Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interests in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate. And if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. There's so much going on in the world today, as we all know, and Ukraine just does not seem to be coming out of the news, unfortunately. And recently we heard that expert generals have said that this war may go on for a couple of years, which is so unfortunate, so sad, and just it makes you wonder what can you do and how can we do more? And you see bodies in the streets and you hear stories of Russian soldiers getting drunk and going into homes and raping women in front of their children and beating them and leaving them for dead. You see images of people with their hands tied behind their backs, and these are civilians. And so my question then becomes, what happens with the kids? Where do those kids go? We saw that a theater was bombed that with a with writing on the sidewalk outside that said children was bombed anyway. Clearly, there is zero regard for the kids that are there. And as a mom, this is heartbreaking, just as any any other human would think it was heartbreaking of how families are being torn apart by men staying around to fight in the army and women taking their kids, taking the elderly and leaving and going to Poland and other places. You look at Poland and how many millions of migrants they've taken in now, and then we see the carnage. And so with me today, I have my friend and one of the most amazing women I know, who always has the most fascinating things that she's working on. Uh, And so I brought her on today because I wanted to talk about not just Ukraine, but specifically what happens with these kids and are they trafficked? Where do they go? Who takes care of them? So I wanted to focus a little bit today on orphans, their foster care and their institutionalized care over in the Ukraine. And so with me today is my friend, Christina Bain. Christina, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you for featuring this topic. I no, it's a it's an incredibly timely topic, but also it's a really horrendous situation to talk about. So thank you for focusing on the topic today. Well, I appreciate that you actually do the work like this because, you know, for all of us, we sit back, we watch it and we, you know, think of of what it must be like, though you cannot even imagine what it would be like mm. to have your home torn into shreds and your family torn apart and just wondering if you're going to have heat 
and electricity and food or, or your life the next day. And, you know, I think we all see the images and it feels like we're going back in time and watching video from the 1940s and from World War II. And sadly, you know, this is 80 years later and we're going through the same thing and watching the same thing happen. Uh, the atrocities. And, and I really hope that Putin can be eventually brought up on, uh, on war crimes because this is, this is not normal. This is heinous. And I mean, we've all heard the stories of the Russian, Russian military putting swastikas on women's backs because they've been told that they are doing an ethnic cleansing, which is disgusting. So we have all of that, but let's just focus on, on the kid issue. So what, what do we know? What's coming out now? And what, what are you working on these days? Oh, sure. Absolutely. So, you know, what we do know right now is that, of course, just like with any conflict, there's absolute chaos. I mean, as you said, we've got people, you know, fleeing their homes. You've got the Russian military attacking, you know, humanitarian buses. Organizations are trying to, to evacuate uh, at-risk people, you know, people out of different cities and villages, and they're being attacked. And so you have such a chaotic situation. And with that comes vulnerability and increased vulnerabilities and with that human trafficking. And Ukraine as a country has a history of conflict, poverty, a collapse of social programs, unemployment, and then the issue of previous conflicts, which have built up and left many children vulnerable. So you have many children who are in what we call institutionalized care, and they're in these homes that are run by the government and their parents have left them maybe even hoping that they would be adopted by someone in a Western country. And that would be a path to it by leaving them in, in one of these homes. And one of the challenges of one of the many challenges of living in these homes is that they, these children have very little access to proper education. They only learn the basic skills. They do have some schooling, but it's not anything that would be at length or, or detailed. They also uh, will lack proper nutrition. Some at some of the places they, they may shower once a week. And the government has actually worked really hard, I think. Uh, And again, I, I am, I will say newer to the Ukraine situation. This is a, this is a, a new region of the world that I've now begun to focus on. But my understanding is that the government since 2016 has really tried to make these homes go in a better direction and work to get the children in these homes into foster care situations. And the, the, the current challenge or the challenge has been pre-conflict is that the children have to leave these homes by the age of 16. So when you think about this, when, you, when you're growing up as a child in, in one of these institutions and you haven't learned basic skill sets, you have no means of economically supporting yourself and you're forced out at 16, what happens? Traffickers know this. Mm. Organized crime groups know this. So I've seen some statistics where they say 60 to 70% of children fall into prostitution and oh. or organized crime. Oh my God. 
and, and, and this is just one statistic that has been given by an NGO, I would say, who works on the issue. And, you know, these are the challenges that were already there in the Ukraine for orphan children. And some say there's upwards of 200,000 or so that were, I've seen, I've seen numbers of 110,000 or so, you know, in this institutionalized system. So you look at this before the conflict, right? So now what is happening Mm. with the conflict? Where, what happens to these children? Where do these go? The other interesting thing that's happening that is not being monitored as there are many things that aren't being monitored, but this is one thing that's not being monitored is that men who are of a certain age are required to stay in the country and, you know, and fight uh, in the Ukraine. But if you are a man leaving, you know, going to the border, crossing borders, and you have three children with you, you are allowed to exit the country. Oh my God. And this is something, a phenomenon we're hearing about. And so there's nothing unchecked. I heard a story today from someone who is working on the issue directly of you've got refugee camps that are set up and you've got people entering in and out of the refugee camps that may not be vetted, may not be required to show identification because you've got chaos, right? You've got people, you know, in overwhelming numbers coming to different areas and, and exiting the country. And so you could walk in and be, you know, a trafficker of any gender and have a van ready to go and just take people out. You could pose as an altruistic uh, NGO or, Mm. or a helpful, you know, citizen group. You could pose as a church group and you could just put people in. I've, I've, I've heard a story of a mother who roped her children next to her as she slept, you know, put a rope and tied a rope around her waist there and their waist to make sure that they weren't kidnapped and, and taken as she was sleeping in a refugee camp. Oh God. So these are the complexities of what's happening. And so one of the things that I'm trying to work on right now, and, and because of my work looking at Afghanistan and, and, and the efforts there, there are some organizations that are working now on both helping at-risk Afghans and also helping in the Ukraine. And I've been connected to a group of, of different former military, NGOs, and other activists who are working on, the, on Ukraine. And we're trying right now to figure out, you know, what is the best means of, of trying to help? And, you know, what we're understanding is there is a lack of awareness and a lack of awareness with different, you know, whether it's different groups, different people, different, you know, stakeholders in this, and how do we provide effective guidance and awareness that is actually getting to the people who need it about human trafficking and the risks that are specifically going on in, in the Ukraine. So now are the people, are, I mean, I don't know if you know this information, but from what you guys are gathering, are the people, are the traffickers, are they coming in from other countries around or are they Ukrainians? That's a great question. My understanding is it could be anybody. It could be anybody coming, you know, criminal groups are, you know, notorious for, you know, knowing where the vulnerabilities are. So I don't know specifically 
to say, what is the profile of a trafficker? You know, could it be, you know, is it the Russians? Is it, is it, you know, who is it? Right. Is um, it the Iranians? I, I, Are they the Saudis? Like, right. You know, I, can't, I mean, that's, I can't speak. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously it's a chaotic situation and, and, you know, who is going to enter a war zone, right? Who, right. who is going to be the one enter Crazy. a war zone? So, so my sense is it, it, you know, if, especially if you're in, if it's a refugee camp, if it's in an Eastern European country, for example, you know, obviously part of the EU, you could have any, it could be open to anybody, you know? Yeah. I mean, be, you have to be completely right, nuts to go in there. And right. Number one, you have to be nuts to go in there. And number two, you have to be real. There has to be something really wrong with you to go in and separate kids from their mothers or their fathers or from, mm-hmm. you know, anyone who they are in the protection of to drag them out and put them into and I mean, just the how earth shattering it is for everything that they've been going through. And then for that to happen right. um, is, is just terrible. So there's so much to unpack in this in this conversation. So first of all, for you listening out there, an NGO stands for a non-governmental organization. So, and of course we always get wrapped up in, in talking about things because we, we talk politics all the time and about different organizations. And so sometimes it's good to remind ourselves that not everyone knows exactly what we're talking about. This is true. (laughs) (laughs) We, we sometimes, and, and Christina and I, Usually our conversations go very, very fast and we talk very fast and sometimes we forget who's around us. So Christina, how, I mean, I know I've given to different organizations that are um, helping over in the Ukraine, but is there anything specifically that anyone can do? I mean, you know, it's interesting. I, I watch a lot of news. I read a lot of news as, as do you, and I haven't seen anything about this. And so, you know, we hear, we hear things like, you know, war crimes and we see the bodies and, and we hear about civilians and what's happening. And, you know, we hear about no fly zones and we hear about, you know, the need for MIGs and, and all that stuff. But I have yet to hear anything about this. So if someone wanted to learn more, is there is there a website that someone can go to or is there a organization that someone could donate to to make sure that these kids are protected? No, that's a great question. Actually, I'm getting a list of, of different organizations that I can share with you. Maybe you can post, you know, after the program. And, and I, I think this is one of the challenges that this situation has become so chaotic. I, there are a number of organizations that are working on this and you've got people who are, you are, who are in country, and then you have people who are ex- working externally. And then you've got also other organizations around the world who are also working on this. And, you know, so you've got different levels of of different places where people can engage you. I've had, you know, people who have approached me about how can I adopt a Ukrainian family or Uh how's a Ukrainian family? I I don't want to put in the truck because it's not a formal attachment. Right, right. Of course. But just to house a, you know, to house a Ukrainian family. and, And these requests have been coming in from Europe, from the United States. Also, there's a lot of conversations about adoptions. I have had heard numerous things of, of cases of people who were in the process of adoption of a child in the Ukraine. Ugh. And now you have 
a, a situation where how do you get that child out or what happens right. to the adoption? And I, I just heard, and I have to verify it, that no more adoptions are going through at this point, you know, in terms of, but if you were in the process, you know, what does that mean? Right. So there's all these complexities mm-hmm. I've, I've heard of different organizations who've had, you know, who've been helping prospective adoptive parents try to get children out, you know, in the early days of the conflict and, and what that was like for them to, you know, try and get out one infant and, and, and the extraordinary efforts that people are going through to help. So that's another complexity and challenge with this is, is, you know, and thinking about these, you know, these children in institutionalized care, you know, you finally found a family that may be adopting you and to have that happen, you know, it's just devastating on so many levels and how long adoption takes. And, and now, you know, something like this occurs. Right. I mean, you know, if, if you're adopting, it is you, you have now in your head, you, you have a family and you have a child and right. now not being able to get that child. I, I mean, I, it would be great if you have some, some names and some websites and we can post mm-hmm. it on politicalcontessa.com and we can post it on pocketbookproject.org. Or other organizations. Other organization together, other organization together <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> where we, where we combine our expertise. Yeah, it's just, it is really sad. I mean, I I would love to, I would personally love to help in any way possible with kids or with a family, just because you just can't imagine what they're going through, what they're seeing. And every time I see footage, I just think those kids that are walking around, they're never going to forget this. No, the systemic trauma. I mean, yeah. It is trauma that they will have with them forever, right? And then to add on anything else that you see, it's one thing to see the war and how terrible that is. It's another thing to see something happen to your parent in front of you. And it's another thing to have someone take you and traffic you or Mm -hmm. bring you into organized crime to suit their purposes and, and to really fail our children. It's, it's sad. And, and those people should definitely be prosecuted. It's a very barbaric war. You know, unfortunately, I don't, I don't see the sanctions helping anything to stop it. And I think at the end of the day, you know, we need to try to do everything we can to make sure that Ukraine wins this and it wins it with with their um, their citizens intact, alive, and with homes. And their rebuilding effort is going to take a lot as well. So, Christina, I adore you. I I really kudos to you for working on this issue. Really is so important to have voices like yours that are you know crossover in academia and politics being able to talk about it and being able to try to help as much as you can help. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. And I adore you right back. And it's been a pleasure being here, but yet heartbreaking to obviously talk about these difficult issues. But I, I do hope that we can still do good in this world. And, and I know so many people who are working day and night to help Ukraine. Well, that's because of people like you. So, you know, too many people sit on their hands and are doing nothing. And people like you are really, you know, you're the game changer. So thank you very much. And Christina, 
You are always welcome on Political Contessa. Thank you for being here and thank you for listening and always being a supporter of Political Contessa. I appreciate it. And until next time, stay happy, healthy, and safe. Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. 